Emily Kaplan going to join us momentarily. JB, we got to get into the Montreal uh, Canadiens too at some point. Historically, uh, their worst season in history. I hate kind of doing that. There's always a part of me that says, well, I mean, it's just a blanket statement without understanding that, you know, back then they didn't have three-on-three overtime. But it's ugly. It serves the purpose of making your point, which is it's ugly, Kipper. Points, 15, worst in franchise history. You're a big goal differential guy. Yeah. Minus 43. Is that right? Worst in history. Penalty kill, 71%. Worst in history. Oh, my God. I mean, I knew it was bad just toggling that on my computer now. Uh, Arizona, the only team below them in goal differential. Let's get uh, Emily Kaplan involved in the conversation from ESPN, uh, doing a terrific job. Uh, Any thoughts on Montreal having their worst season in history, Emily? It's honestly startling. Just, I mean, this was a team that literally was just in the Stanley Cup final. And just, I don't know. I, I feel like it's some things that have happened in the last two years are surreal. But to see this team go from that to this this quickly is one of those things that you just have a hard time grasping your head around. Are you hearing anything out of uh, Gorton? Uh, I, I assume he's going to want to see what he has first, which means... The young kids, Primo's coming back up. My understanding is he will play tonight in goal. Um, but any thought on uh, how quickly they'd want to move like a Ben Sherrod? He seems to be uh, the uh, David Savard of this season's trade deadline. I assume that they're going to hold on to him until someone makes an offer of a first-round pick. That's my sense. Yeah, no, I like that comparison to David Savard. Like, the one defenseman is kind of underrated, but all of a sudden everyone just steams over and needs to have. Um, you know, I think that he's not the only player on that roster that could be moved. And my sense of uh, Gorton is that he's not waiting for a GM or the rest of his hockey operations staff to fill out. Like, he's the man in charge. And I know that he's starting to have some meetings with agents and starting to have these conversations. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see bigger changes in Montreal over the next couple of weeks. Well, that is uh, overdue. That's, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. Uh, Emily, you're you're around rinks and talking to people as much as anyone in the hockey business right now. What is going on or what is the feel uh, when you talk to people who are involved in the league about what's coming in terms of COVID restrictions and protocol and just, I guess, the general mood of it all? Yeah, it, like some days feel a lot grimmer than others. Tuesday was one of those days that like it felt like March 2020. I was in Minnesota, like, as the game was getting postponed, and it just sucked. You know, I was, like, literally talking to Rod Brindamore, having our pregame chat as he gets someone putting in his phone that, like, four more of your guys test positive, and you just see his heart drop. Um, But the bottom line is, you know, most of these guys who are testing positive, the good news is they have mild or no symptoms, and because of that, the league feels like it can play on. You know, the stricter protocols they put in, the guys don't love it. it it's a reminder of last season, which is really tough on a lot of levels, specifically with mental health and being isolated, but it's kind of necessary. And then as it pertains to the Olympics, everyone is like, every day seems a little more pessimistic, but now I'm almost of the belief that we need to take this three-week break anyway because so many buildings did schedule. 
and the PA is split. So I feel like the players that want to go could go and the players that feel a little timid or don't want to go for the many reasons that they don't would be able to stay home. So that's kind of where I'm at with it with talking to people, but everything changes on a day-to-day basis. And do you think that there's a chance that we could see an Olympics with that attitude? If you want to go, go. If you don't, stay. Or will it be we're all in or we're all out? I think there's a situation where it could be split. I think it just gets complicated, though, because, like, if the NHL wants to schedule a couple games in that break, they can't do the full thing. Okay, Alex Ovechkin's over there. Is he just going to miss two Washington Capitals games? Like, maybe, but that's definitely a conversation the owners are going to want to have. But I do see a situation because literally talking to guys around the league, I don't know what the split is, but I've heard both ends of the spectrum where guys are like, absolutely, I'm going. This means way too much to me. And I also hear guys that are like, wow, the worst-case scenario sounds terrible. I might not get paid. I might get stuck in China at the discretion of Chinese government. No way I'm doing that. Emily, we, uh, we, spent, we spent a good portion of, of the show today talking about uh, Jacob Chikrin and how many teams would be interested. And I know that Arizona is not shopping him. They're not uh, actively telling people that he's available, but they will take calls and they will listen. Um, he's got three more years at $4.6 million. What is What are the odds that this guy, if he, if he doesn't get traded this season, is an Arizona Coyote um, much longer than, you know, maybe even next year. Yeah, it's tough to say because, like, entering the season, what I was told about the Coyotes is every single player on that roster is tradable except for Jacob Chitron. That was, like, the one player that they're, like, they love and they want to build around. Um, that said, because maybe he's having a bit of a down season, and I would say the reason he's having a down season is he's on a down team. It's hard to stand out individually when your team is not putting up those type of results. Um, there are people saying, like, oh, maybe we can buy low. The problem is is that Bill Armstrong is having a really high asking price and saying, if this is a prize player I want to build around, like, you're going to have to ante up. So unless he lowers that price, I think Chikrin is going to stay around. Um, but we'll see what happens in the next, you know, couple of weeks or months because we know the one thing they want more than anything else is draft picks and prospects. And if someone wants to offer up a couple first-round picks, I know the Coyotes would take that. Who do you think around the league is going to be active? You know, we're, we kind of feel like we're at the point of the season where teams have made their decision if they're good or bad or going or coming or going type of thing. Is there uh, a team or a few teams who you feel like could be making some roster upgrades or potentially downgrades in the near future? Well, I'll do you guys a favor and be your American correspondent because I'm sure you've heard yeah. the Oilers are looking for goalies and doing that and the Maple Leafs and whatever. So um, here in the U.S., I, I have a feeling that the Carolina Hurricanes uh, think their time is now. I think they'd like to add um, specifically to their blue line. Um, you know, they're, they're such a great team. I, I think they want to capitalize on that. So I'd keep the eye on them as a sleeper team. Minnesota's a team I'm also really curious about. Like, I had a chat with Bill Guerin on Tuesday before that game was postponed, and he told me, like, I think we can win a Stanley Cup as is. I love this team. At the same time, we know center depth. You know, it's, it's so hard to get at the trade deadline, but that's always been their Achilles heel. And if they also feel really good about where they're at, they might want to add as well. Um, so those are two teams I've got my eyes on. And then Blackhawks here, I'm in Chicago. Um, I expect them to be big sellers at the deadline. Interim GM Kyle Davidson has full autonomy to do what he wants. Um, and I think he knows for the long-term future of this club, um, it's, it's time to actually rebuild. 
Emily, what about the Philadelphia Flyers? They didn't get the uh, the, the reaction that the Vancouver fans got with a coaching change, but uh, they've got some tough decisions to make. Uh, Claude Giroux uh, is in the last year of his deal. Um, if if they're not in the mix, uh, what do you see happening there? Yeah, that's a great question, and I'm actually headed to Philly on Tuesday. It's my next broadcast when they play the Capitals, so I'm excited to talk to some folks down there and just get their temperature because I really haven't heard much after the Vigneault firing. Um, you know, I know there's some people in the league that think maybe Chuck Fletcher's on shaky ground. I haven't heard anything very firm to support that. Um, but the truth is, like, they thought they had a team that could win, and for two straight years now they've just really looked out of place. And Giroud's going to be the big question mark. You know, does he want to stay around? Is he committed to it? Or do, does he want to move and anticipate signing elsewhere when his contract is up? So, that's one I've got my eye on. I don't really have a huge pulse yet, but um, maybe I can report back after Tuesday. Yeah, well, I, I am interested about a team you mentioned there. You said Chicago is a potential team to be doing something in a proper rebuild. Um, I would agree with you, but it, it is interesting to sort of like imagine what that would look like for them, you know, after just signing Seth Jones, making that deal. You know, could could it be a, a Patrick Kane the thing someday? Could that he potentially want out of there if they are going to rebuild? Or is that too too big a name to be included in such a thing? No, that's the big question here in Chicago. Like, are Kane and Taze going to be part of this for the long run? Or is this a franchise at a crossroads and they realize, you know, we had our time in Chicago and we want to go elsewhere. My sense is those conversations have not happened yet at all. And if they do happen, they'll happen this summer. And I bet there will be some, you know, gauging their interest. You know, I know there's some scuttlebutt about Kane potentially going to the Rangers to reunite with Artemi Panarin. I know for a fact Panarin is the favorite line mate that Patrick Kane ever had. So um, there's there's definitely some kind of connection there. Um, but we'll see. Um, you know, I don't get the – I can't really tell you exactly how it's been for Kane and Taze in the long view for them because I know this season has just been so taxing for so many guys here. And I don't know if they've been able to really grasp, um, you know, the bigger picture meta point of view on their careers because everyone's just kind of trying to get through it right now. Hard to mention Chicago without talking about uh, uh, the settlement reached by, by Kyle Beach. Is there a sense now that uh, this is done and over with and, and, you know, with the settlement that Chicago or Beach really don't have, you know, much more on this and it's it's a closed chapter now? Yeah, it's... It... I don't know if it's a closed chapter. I definitely think that this settlement should give Kyle some closure, and I hope that it does, um, you know, for him just to kind of move on with his life. The truth is there's another mediation talk on Monday that the Blackhawks have scheduled with John Doe number 2 as the high school student that Brad Aldrich sexually assaulted after he worked for the Blackhawks. So there's still some of this lingering, and I think some of that pain and healing still needs to happen. Um, but it's definitely a step in the right direction, and all I hope is that um, – you know, Kyle gets some closure out of this and some peace. For sure. Um, you know, the coaching change that just took place uh, in Vancouver is something we've been kicking around quite a bit on this show. Um, the Vancouver Canucks probably feel t- too far out of it to do anything personnel-wise, I would imagine. What, what are your thoughts on, on their resurgence there, you know, adding a new coach and suddenly five and five straight wins? The, the Canucks being five uh, with Bruce Rudeau, that was a question? Yes. Sorry, my AirPods died on me mid-question. Had to <laughs> <All good. laughs> no, I love, you know, when I think of them, I like again, I'm going to bring it to Chicago because I'm just close here and I was following them closely. And 
the way it was going under Jeremy Colleton at the end, everyone was just so uptight. They didn't love coming to the rink every day, and it just it felt like there was tension. And when I looked at uh, the Vancouver Canucks from afar, I saw that too. And Bruce Boudreau is a coach that is known in this league for just letting his guys play freely, maybe with a little bit less structure, bringing out the best in them. And I just think the energy change seemed to be exactly what that Canucks team needed um, at exactly that right time. You know, I don't know how deep that hole that they built is, if they can climb out of it for a playoff spot, but it does seem like it was the right decision to make a change because just the energy and the juju at the rink was off. Just want to get your thoughts, Emily, on, on what you're hearing on, on Jack Eichel. I was under the impression uh, that uh, the push was geared towards the Olympics. Maybe with that uh, still in question, does it does it slow down a little bit for Jack Eichel? Or do you expect to see him, you know, in, in as early as, what, two, three weeks uh, still to go? Because I, I hear it's closer than probably a lot of people expect. Yeah, no, hearing the same thing, and I know that the fact that he is skating and cleared for pretty much anything except for contact has definitely turned a lot of people's heads saying, like, wait, this seems like a way faster timeline than was being promised initially. Um, I think the key will be Jack going to Las Vegas, which he expects to do, I believe, like right after the new year now, you know, getting seen by their trainers and doctors and having a conversation with them. My sense is Jack Eichel still thinks and wants to play in the Olympics, but I feel like that decision is not going to be made by Jack Eichel, but probably the Vegas doctors, his personal doctors, his agents, just making a definite long-term approach because the truth is he wanted to get out of Buffalo. He wants to prove himself in the NHL. I know the Olympics are important, but he's got to help Vegas because they gave a lot up for him. Yeah, and the uh, that's obviously huge news and big for that division. Uh, if you're the Edmonton Oilers looking at them getting Eichel back, you, you got to be a little concerned, particularly with the run Edmonton's on. Uh, six straight losses now for that group. They can't get any help from their bottom six in scoring. Is there a chance the Oilers could be a team to look to add something? Uh, seems like a pretty gettable division, but you don't want to let Vegas get up to full uh, full capacity anytime soon. I honestly think it would be malpractice by Kenny Holland if he doesn't do anything to add to that roster. (laughs) They need it. They need some kind of spark. I I think backup goaltender, just some insurance and net is a must if they are planning for a long playoff run. I do think left-handed D, we know that's one of their needs. But you mentioned it, like forward depth. I don't think that's a team that can overlook that as well. And if there are, you know, just some gritty forwards, some guys that can add some jam, but also add some scoring to alleviate some of that pressure from that top line, um, I think they should go for all of that. One of the busiest broadcasters out there, Emily. Uh, thanks so much for squeezing a little bit of time for uh, Justin and I. We know that uh, you're doing a terrific job and uh, I between the benches and your podcast, radio and TV, we're, we're thankful that you, you found a few minutes for us. Oh, you guys are the best. Always a good conversation with you. So I appreciate it. Uh, Emily Kaplan. Yes, Thanks, Emily. Um, JB. Yo. What about, like, Kessel to Edmonton? Like, couldn't they use something like that? I don't think it's going to be that expensive. It's not a big uh, hit on, on, the, on the cap. There's only going to be, I think, towards the deadline of, you know, real money or I think uh, maybe, Sammy, you can look this up for me, but his his actual salary is really low. I don't think money would be an issue on this guy. I love that idea because they need someone other than 
the top two guys that can shoot one in the net, and he can do that. Like, I don't think he's going to give you a whole lot other than that at this point, but, you know. Oh, has he been a good number three on an offensive team before? Oh, yeah. success? Has that ever I happened? I think that's worked out. I think we've, yeah. we've seen that uh, movie before. Yeah, well, I love that idea. That's a really good piece to find some offense, find something. Right now, boys, Kyler, K- Kaler, Kyler Yamamoto for that team, who they're playing in the top six, uh, last six games – Guess how many shots? Six games. Wrong. Zero. <laughs> wow. Isn't that a shot on goal in six games? Correct. Playing in the top six for the Oilers. That's just unacceptable. That's like the he guy is... that's gone half a season without a penalty. That's unacceptable. I agree. I agree. Like you accidentally trip somebody. Like it has to happen. <laughs> the, lady has bang. To happen. the lady bang should be a, uh, not a, an award. Should be a Boy, crime. you guys have just stripped my trophy shelf about a fifty percent of the titles I took <laughs> home in my career. <laughs> um, Best smile. So, <laughs> high school yearbook on that one. So, total salary for Castle this year is six million bucks. Well, okay, that's after the Leafs retained one two or whatever they got. Mm. Yeah, that? yeah, I'm not sure what that would be. No, eight million cap hit. I don't know. Okay. No, no, <laughs> but know. what is his actual salary for 21? 21, 22, total salary $6 million, according to Cap Friendly, who are pretty good at this. Okay, so. all right. I thought, I thought it, for whatever reason, I thought it was lower than that. No. That's what it is at this point. Yeah. You know, an interesting option if there's some way to, you know, it's some so bad. And yeah, some... it, it, but it is so bad there that I, I, I'm worried that like, Holland might just sit on – on if this thing continues to go south. Really? I don't oh, Con- I, You imagine Connor? Yeah, I know. That's a tough one. I know. There's a really funny zoom in of him but the I other don't, day. I don't, staring I don't staring aimlessly. I don't think Ken Holland's going to feel the wrath of, of Connor McDavid to go do something he doesn't want to do. That's my well, personal who, opinion. Who is more influential in the NHL right now yeah. than Connor McDavid? Yeah. You know, I include Crosby and Ovechkin in that. Like, uh, is anyone? I, I think he's got more pull to be LeBron and dictate what happens on his roster than anyone else. I was going to say, I if I'm Kenny Holland, boy, I better be listening to Connor because we had a conversation yesterday that didn't really make a lot of Oilers fans too thrilled. But, yeah, a, how long? Like, how many times can you keep doing this, fellas? Is there any way he'd ever ask? Not, I'm not even talking about Toronto here. Is there any way? How many more years can he go through this, Kip? Is he just a good Canadian boy who's going to put his head down? Would there ever be a world in which he'd be like, I, I need out of here? <sighs> yeah, that might. Uh, I, I don't think it's close yet, though. But you think there's a world in which it could Well, happen? he's got that great house. Maybe, there. maybe this. He's got a heated driveway. Yeah. Maybe this time next year. Oh, that, that's not that long ago to, to go. Well, uh, I don't know. Why are we talking about missing the playoffs this year? Well,. Are we I, talking about losing in the first round? Tell you what, in the missing the playoffs is in play. It's in play this year. They're sixteen and eleven right now. They're they're in fourth in the Pacific. I mean, there's five good teams in the Central at a minimum to take the other wild card spots. Like they are in a fight now. Yeah, six game losing streak happens quick. So, uh, Phil Kessel's base salary is one million dollars this year. Huh? Yeah. It's all. It was all bonuses, signing bonuses. Oh, well, that's that's interesting. Uh, interesting idea for them, and, I guess. But it's not, I guess it's, Kipper, though, is he the, the defensive hit. stalwart you want? It's, it's it's not the cap hit, right? Because the cap disappears. 
uh, at the trade deadline. So all you got to do is just fit in. Yeah, cash I don't know. Cash, cash it'll be like $250,000 left on that contract. So the so. cap disappears in playoffs. Either any, I'm not sure how that would all work. I mean, we would we I got to look into this a bit more. The the Kessel thing though remains a really legitimate good idea. Would you uh, Kipper feel okay about him and his defensive play given the Oilers' already lack of defensive commitment? When when you're starving for oxygen, you're you're not worried about you know food. You know they they <laughs> they, 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 they they have no offense. Outside of two guys, yeah, zero. Well, yeah. So I'm just looking at. The- I'd, I'd rather think that I'm. I, I could still win six five with McDavid, Drysaddle, and maybe one other guy. But I'm not worried about defense when I'm when I'm starving for goals. You know what I'm thinking is how badly are they missing Adam Larson on the defensive end for one? So there's there's the defensive side of the equation, but the offensive side. You know what's interesting this year is. Last season, the Oilers had 33 goals which was uh, from their defense, which was second in the NHL. They only have 10 this year, which is uh, just inside the top 20. They're 18th there. You know, they're not getting that offense from the back end either. They're not getting offense from anywhere outside those two guys you talk about. Yeah, after, after McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, it's Hyman with 11. Uh, Yessi, we're going with Yessi or Jesse. Yessi, Pooley, Yessa. 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 Yes, yes, man. Yessa. Yessa. And then, uh, and then Kyler Yamamoto has five goals, and then it's four, four, three. Like, did you, like, Nugent Hopkins has three goals this year, fellas. 21 assists, so he's got 24 points, but man, like, at some point, I don't know, it, we're just going in circles with this conversation, but it's just, it's, 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 it's brutal for them in terms of any sort of secondary scoring, no goaltending, but they got two good players. Two great ones. Mike Smith, day-to-day now. Can he... I, he can come in and stabilize this thing a little bit here. If if, if he can pick up where he left off last season, but that's at 39, 40 years of age, that's still a question mark. Yeah. yeah could, the Oilers are spinning their wheels here. That could be a team that's uh, very interested in the guy that we were talking about earlier in Jacob Chikrin. No, Kip? Well, yeah, for sure. But again, so, what, I, I, I don't think, to be quite honest with you, they have the assets to do it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mentioned Sandine off the top of my head that they're going to want a 23-year-old replaced with a 21 or 22-year-old. So that, that, that conversation for Edmonton has to start with uh, Evan Bouchard. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That was the name I was going to throw out there. I yeah. liked. I actually, of all the guys that they had in the back end there against Lee's, I think I liked him the most. He he looked pretty good out there. He's talented, but I was like Tippett seems to pick on him in the media. He you know about defensive plays and blowing coverages and stuff. You always wonder how much of that is one guy's personal vendetta versus a coach seeing more than we're seeing. You know, he's a young guy with offensive upside, so could be just learning that side of things. Who's their still. other um, first rounder? Philip uh, Broberg. Broberg, yeah. Now he. I don't know, last year I, there seemed to be more upside on him than there is today. Yeah, you'd have to think if he had made some any, some tangible stride, you'd see him already, right? Correct, correct. So that uh, that unfortunately hasn't uh, panned out. And, you know, we, you know, here in Toronto, 
it was a slower development, but it's paying off when it comes to Sandine and Lilligren. And yeah, we can find warts in their game, but they're clearly seem to be a lot further ahead than say Broberg and, and Bouchard in Edmonton. Yeah. yeah. They, well, I think it's just, you have to look at how the Leafs have developed these guys in terms of the patience they've showed with these kind of guys and having them in the Marlies and not rushing them in and, you know, filling in the sort of ara- around them with guys that maybe aren't going to be here for long term, but are capable and letting these guys kind of stew because you know what happens when you rush guys. It gets the development stuff happens kind of badly if you rush guys. Yeah. And they used to do that in the in the old days. I remember a lot of that. All right, let's stay, let's stay in Ottawa, guys, uh, for a second here. And what do we make out of five and one? Their last six, uh, we got to we got to show them some love here because it's it's not like uh, they're five and one with bottom feeders here. Hurricanes, they beat? Hurricanes, Avalanche, Lightning, and Panthers, <laughs> and throw throw in the Devils. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. That's unbelievable. I you know the and then they beat Florida eight to two the other night. So I don't know. I, I think we said, or I said anyway, on the eve of December, I, I brought up mm-hmm. their schedule on the show and read every opponent, and I was like, when do they get a win in December? And we were making the jokes like they may not. They may not get them. So, you know, I don't know. Could it just be the a rocky start, a little bit of, you know, COVID-tinged uh, issues and, and finding something? They've, they've got some interesting players. I like DJ Smith, but I don't know. They're, they're a tough team to make sense of for me. I guess the goaltending is, is the biggest issue. I've actually really liked a lot of what they've done. And Kachuk had his first career hat trick a little bit. And we talked about that contract about it being, you know, so-so and maybe a little bit too much money. Kipper was a little worried about it. But every time I watch that guy play, I'm more and more impressed with him. I, you know, I don't think it's going to be long before he's the best power forward in the league. Just, it's going to be, guys don't want to even go near him. He's just such a buzzsaw. He'll fight you. He'll score. He'll hit you. He's just such a... I don't know, pain in the ass to play against. It's not a not a guy I would want to line up with with Brady Kachuk. He just seems like he's a more rugged version of his brother. Maybe not going to score as much as his brother, but just a rugged sort of tough guy that you don't want to go anywhere near. I was just say, who who would you rather have? Uh, definitely Brady. Yeah, I'm yeah. a Brady guy. Yeah, Kipper. <sighs> yeah, that's a tough one though. You think? It's, well, Matthews. Come on, think about some of the goals he scored, too, in his career. He seems more like pure hockey talented. Kachuk seems there. Brady seems like he's a playoff type of guy to me. Matthew's always said that uh, Brady is tougher. Yeah, and he always said he was better. I remember when he was coming up saying that, like, my brother's going to be even better. So, yeah, I, man. Love that. Get his negotiating. We should get Keith Keith on one of these days and be like, what the hell? How'd you do this? Is Ottawa going to be one of those, um, one of the hottest teams down the stretch that's out of the playoffs? Just do that thing where they cost themselves a good draft pick. That's never fun. You know what that? That's they call that the Leafs. You know, <laughs> back in those, like in the after they didn't make the playoffs when the after the lockout, there'd be all these years where they were a half decent team, or they'd be terrible, and then they get hot at the wrong time. Remember they traded for Martin Gerber, and he got really hot, and he pulled them back into the sort of range of of not being in the the top five picks. I remember that always being the Leafs thing to finish in the ninth or tenth range. It's not a good yeah. place to be. Be bad or be good, I guess. Yeah, it was a Brian Burke thing. Always be getting better or getting worse fast. So yeah. one thing I thought I asked every guest we had today was about the Vancouver Canucks, who are fascinating to me. Uh, Bruce Boudreau going 5-0 and uh, to start his tenure there. Do you want to hear the most recent NHL head coaches to, do- to have done that? 
We got Jeff. All, all Hall of Famers, I'm sure. <laughs> Jeff Ward, Patrick Waugh, John Paddock, and Dave Tippett all all did that. It's not like it's like you know indicative of becoming the next Scotty Bowman with a team or turning a team around. Tippett did it with the Oilers two years ago, so maybe I should pump the yeah, brakes and, on my excitement and, uh, about that. Tippett's at the end of his contract, I think, too. This year? Yeah, somebody told me that the other day. Well, man, they got a bunch of money, didn't they? I know Holl- wasn't Holland's deal for like $5 million a year to GM the Oilers to this? Yeah, it, it Yeah, that was the uh, – I'm not sure if I want to come until I hear the offer I can't refuse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go to Edmonton, you got to pay a premium, I guess. And, yeah, I don't know. Well, his work's cut out for him. No question about that. Uh, they're going to turn it around a little bit, though. You can't – you cannot. You can't have two guys on a pace for 150 points season and miss the playoffs. And miss the playoffs. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. That division is just too. Like you we said, we do not agree. <laughs> like you said, uh, Borny, Vegas is coming, so that's one of those spots that may uh, get eaten up. But I don't think. At the end of the day, you think the Ducks are going to end up there? Like I do think there'll be a no. spot for them. So, uh, yeah. one question I didn't get to Emily uh, coming out of Chicago, uh, Mark Andre Fleury. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrific in terms of uh, the historic win that they had, uh, that he had, uh, well celebrated. But he's not finishing the season in Chicago. No, you know, you think no. he's, he wants out of there with with so many question marks in net? How can he survive? They said, yeah. Well, everyone, but you know, there's that thing around him talking about uh, he had to be convinced to go there, and he had to move everything there, and the family and all this and all that. Like, do you think that's overplayed or do you think that's, that's important? With no. Uh, because that's uh, a big, that was a big talking point you, around you, him. You're, you're just in it to win it at his age right now. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to happen with Chicago. So the, the, no. the natural one is the natural one is at the avalanche, right? That's what everyone will talk about, but there's no chance he'd go to Edmonton. Is there like, would he be like, yeah, why, sure. Why not? No. Mm-hmm. Why not? No. I mean, he he knows what hockey, what happens with hockey. Like he knows what's going on there, probably. No, that they just they got no defense. They got two guys that score. Like, do they really have a chance to win the cup with Flurry in net? He wants to go somewhere where it's well, you a s- good chance. You got Colorado's a you got to assume if uh, if Connor's putting as much pressure as you just suggested on Ken Holland, that there's going to be more than just Mark Andre Flurry to come and save the day. Yeah. Yeah, if they made a couple of changes, would it would that entice them more? So I just, you know, one of the things I, I look at, if you're a goaltender and you genuinely believe that you are like a star and you can change the course of a team's fortune, you probably want to go to a team that's had a really bad team save percentage because you think, boy, I alone could make a big difference here. Looking at the bottom five save percentages by team in the NHL, the Oilers are in it. They have gotten the fifth worst goaltending uh, this season at five on five, uh, just outside that uh, at all strengths. The Colorado Avalanche, second worst in the NHL to only the Seattle Kraken. So Colorado's gotten garbage goaltending this season and, you know, still humming along at a pretty good clip, aren't they? Third in the Central Division right now. That's crazy that they're the second worst. And then the Squids, they spent all that money on goaltending and it's just they can't get a save, so... That was maybe not the smartest move either, but it's crazy to me that the Colorado Avalanche are still having that much success. I saw they waived that guy that played against the Leafs a couple days ago because he was no good, but 
Yeah, that's, jo- that's Jonas, tough. Yeah. Well, they, if you look at all the teams that are underachieving, it's it's pretty tightly tied to save percentage. Ottawa's in the bottom five. They haven't got a stop all year. Uh, you know, of course, the Buffaloes and jerseys and all that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, goaltending, breaking news, fellas. Goes a long way. Yeah. The Boston Bruins, speaking of goaltending, I, I assume that Tuka Rask is getting closer here. Swayman would not need waivers to be sent down. So is is that a differential for the Boston Bruins, that alone? No. Tuka Rask? No. And I don't think so. He's, he is one of the better goalies in the league. Yeah, but, you know, you, you talk about guys jumping on a moving train, talking about McKayev coming back here, talking about guys that haven't played at all. And you think for a goaltender that's doubled – Getting uh, into an NHL game from that at that point, coming in here when everybody's in midseason form and you're going in there, you haven't played an NHL game in how long? I think it'd be worse for a goaltender than anybody else. He is their only chance to save the season, I think. You think I, they're I really struggling that much, eh? He, he, yes, I do. And, you know, no no Bergeron and, and no uh, Marchand again uh, on, on COVID. They can't trade DeBrusque as long as Marchand's out. So, uh there was some talk and speculation. Maybe they try to get Krejci back. What? what? Yeah, you guys haven't heard that one? No. No. Now, he... The the rule is with group twos that sit out, and I think Willie Nylander went through this with the Toronto Maple Leafs, is that they had that, that deadline of December 1st. 10th, right? Or, or was the first? No, I was think the, it was the it first. Was first. You're right. You're right, Kipper. Yeah. Group two, they cannot play past December 1st if they're not signed. Unrestricted free agents, I think, have to get in before the trade deadline. And, yeah, there's always been some whispers about Krejci. I don't think it's going to happen. But You wonder if just the NHL, you know, it's in such disarray right now. Like, I wouldn't blame Krejci if he's like, I'm not coming back to whatever you guys got going on right now. But you could see it for a couple of months at the end of the year. You know, same with. You know, Rask, I wouldn't want to come back right now, but he looks like he does, so that could move the needle a little bit. Swayman's been good, by the way. 9.17 save percentage through 14 starts. Um, but if you look at the, like, fancy goaltending stuff, he's not much above uh, in terms of goals saved above expected. So, anyway, these are interesting Cre- ideas for Boston. Krejci's still playing in the Czech League, which I didn't yeah. realize. I thought he was just retired. No, no, he's no. He's playing no. over there. No. He's doing pretty well. Yeah, shocker. shocker. But, that, <laughs> yeah. but that, but they shut down a lot earlier, right? Yeah, their, their season would wrap up around probably be done by March, April, March. Yeah. Yeah, He's yeah. got fourteen goals and fifteen assists in uh, twenty-eight games for they, twenty-nine points. They miss him so so much. Yeah, they really do. He's a great player, and Allmark has has not really worked out all that well. JB, no. That's a good point. That was a big gamble they took, and that has not been. That was as a beneficial. was that was that not a first rounder? For him, uh, it was just a big UFA deal. Oh, UFA—that's right, five times yeah. five. Yeah. See, you know, if, and- if if Ras comes back, then you you can move him. Yeah. You think the Oilers would be interested room. in Allmark? Somebody like that. Got another Koskinen-like contract if he ends up being like Koskinen. Yeah. Uh, just looking at what the Oilers did with their money in the offseason, like, you know, they, they sent, spent that money on Allmark, who, you know, hasn't been spectacular for them. They signed Taylor Hall to the big deal. The guy's got five goals in 25 games. Uh, they signed Forbort, who, okay. Um, and who else did they sign? Or they lost Krejci. Like, they had, they, they're getting nothing for their money from the offseason is the point. 
I'm going to throw Not one good. more goalie name at you guys. And, like, are we going to see him soon? Carey Price? Right. Oh, that right. guy. How, uh, he's been skating for quite a while, hasn't he? It's funny. The, the conversation about Carey Price has really died down since the conversation about Olympians going to the NHL. Or, uh, going to the, sorry, NHL is going to the Olympian. Uh, Olympics. Olympics. Is, thank you. <laughs> you has died it. down. Thank you. Yeah. Nobody needs the Christmas break more than you, Sammy, right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, either that, Sammy, or all those worst in history is, have scared him off. Yeah, what am Cat- I rushing to come back for? Like, yeah. That, uh, gosh, what's he, what's he, what's he going to race back to? To nothing. Yeah, and then they're going to take charade off the roster and be even worse down the stretch like it doesn't look gonna at least they'll get lots of action right not gonna be sitting back there uh, getting 14 shots a night any gm stuff with mkip nothing 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 long process long process get to know your organization get to know your assets get to know your young guys figure out who's staying who's going that's what they're trying to figure out in montreal as we speak all right Our thanks to Aaron Ward, Mike Kelly, Emily Kaplan for joining us today. Hopefully, we get all our, all our games in tonight and we march through towards the Christmas break. Thanks for listening, everybody. Real Kipper and Born, right back at it right one more time tomorrow. Thanks for joining us.